You're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 49 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you as always, your host, Bob Chichinsky, here with my good friend, Dog Bark 24 Dog, how you doing this week, my dude? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to be here with you, as always, talking our favorite game, Elder Scrolls Online. And this, uh, this, well, you know, I will act like I'm good at scheduling. You know, we have things planned, but it's still kind of working out. Act just, just pretend with us. This uh, first week of 2021, last week was really the first full week, but you know, it, it all it, it's gonna work. So, first weeks of 2021, and we thought, why not just knock right out of the park? Let's, you know, grab the bull by the horns answer what will most likely be one of the top five most asked questions to all eso content creators this year (laughs) is eso worth starting slash playing slash coming back to in 2021 we are going to take care of it right here and answer it for everyone so Anytime anyone asks this question, you just direct them right here. And as much as I want to just, you know, just give the answer right here, I, you know, I will hold back. We do have, we have some good reasons. Don't worry. Even though if you think you know what we're going to say, we we do have some good reasons. So that's what we're going to talk about for the main part of our episode. But as always, we want to start with the news and the Cyrodiil scores and updates of the week. So, dogged. News, man. We got some news going on. It's uh, it's looking good. New year and new news. <laughs> yeah, I was actually looking through my collections, like a little category. And, yeah, I was looking through the pets and, I, and mounts, and I found some stuff. So, you know, the first thing that I found was the Unstable Morpholith. And this is like the new thing for tickets that that'll be replacing the Endrix. So you think that this could end up being like uh, Daedric and stuff, right? Especially with the fact that it has like unstable in the name, a lot like the Sork pets and stuff. Yeah, it could. And examples would be like, you know, the Clan Fear, Scam, Twilight, maybe even like Ash Titan, Air Atronach, or Daedroth. And then, or even some like crazy things from uh, Elder Scrolls Battle Spires, like the, uh, Morphoi, Deja, or Vermi, and or could it even be new, unforeseen uh, Deja beings too? That would be pretty crazy, man. I mean, we all know that they're gonna do something new for Andrix, so clearly they're trying to shroud it in mystery as much as they can until they tell us. But they uh, for sure have said that whatever it is, you're gonna be able to start getting it the pieces of it or whatever with Midyear Mayhem, which is freaking starting, guys. We're getting our mid-year, mid-year, mid-year? <laughs> I don't know. Our start of the year, mid-year. We get two mid-years because that's what <laughs> it's all about. And uh, we're getting our January one. It's going to be awesome. Should be coming around uh, probably middle of the month. I'm thinking maybe late start. Um Maybe going into February, uh, like, you know, it will end maybe at the start of February. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully we get a good uh, 11 days, 12, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I get carried away once mid-year gets brought into the equation. But, yeah, so that first piece is going to be available during that. Once you're getting your tickets, um, we're going to see what that's all about. And then they are going to explain it in even more detail. January 21st, when they reveal the whole Gates of Oblivion thing. So I don't know if that means that uh, mid-year may start after January 21st due to like just the scheduling and if they want to do it that way. But we're going to see how that goes. So either way, new 
event ticket thing. The events are going to be big this year. It's going to be a good whole fresh start. Um, it's going to be cool. Yeah, you know, speaking of Mindier Mayhem, there's also some new pets, which is the Covenant, Dominion, and Pact Breton Terriers, which were appropriately named as Kingling, Queenie, and Scaldi. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Yeah, I'm assuming that these will probably be able to be bought with tickets during Mid-Year Mayhem, but I don't know. I mean, we really don't know anything about them except for that they exist. You know, for a long time, like, one of the most requested things has been that there's, like, more earnable, like, mounts and pets and stuff like that in the game from all kinds of, like, any place you see people, like, you know, social media and stuff about the game. So... That's always been a large thing requested. And I feel like they're doing a good job of putting a lot more like, you know, we have some from antiquities. We have some, um, there was one you got just from doing the story of Greymore. Um, and there's been, you know, injured pets. There was the snowball pet. So they're, I think, are doing a good job of giving you a way to actually get some different stuff if you don't want to spend one dime on a crown crate crown store any of that nonsense so yeah i don't know i just i think that's kind of cool i definitely agree so they've definitely been getting better and adding more stuff like you know mounts and pets it's pretty cool no more mounts hopefully soon yeah <laughs> and then the last one is the macrotized verminous fabricant and I'm assuming that this will be, you know, bought and earned with tickets during the Tribunal of Celebration of Morrowind and Clockwork DLCs. But we don't even know when that'll be. So it's just there, you know, sitting in our uh, collections, taunting us, being, saying, hey, I'm here, but you don't know what I am. <laughs> I'm here. Look at me. You can't <laughs> have me, though. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of news. Um, that's all like pretty much event stuff. But you know, big, big changes to the game. I mean, honestly, like we've had the same kind of Indrix and evolutions for two years. So this is, it's pretty big change when they bring new stuff and always nice to see, honestly. Now, before we jump out of the news, we also got the January crown store showcase recently. And, uh, you can always go check that out on elder They've got all the great stuff for you. All the, uh you know uh you know hottest off the press news but um outside of going through all of it for you there is some pretty cool stuff coming in the uh hazardous alchemy motif is not going to be available when you're doing stone garden so you could get those to drop it'll also be available in the crown store starting in january it already started um the ebon steel knight arms pack looks pretty cool i've never actually gotten one of these arms packs but uh our good friend Gramathon triad was uh commenting on that one thinks it's cool this one is actually it looks like will be purchasable with event tickets from the impresario so if those are what you're into then you're gonna be able to get them we also have a couple costumes coming out. I wanted to mention a logger costume, which is definitely interesting. It's got a backpack, which looks pretty cool. Um, I like the backpacks on the costume. So January 14th, that's one is going to be coming out. But the main reason I even bring up the January Crown Store Showcase for you guys is because my favorite costume in all of Elder Scrolls, I wear it on my main Magic Necromancer on xbox it's like my go-to the shrikes nocturnal frock is finally coming back to the crown store i'm going to be able to get it on pc i'll be one step closer to having my exact character like you know style and everything and that is going to be available from january 25th to january 28th very small window i will definitely post about it on twitter so make sure you're following us at red diamond cast and I will make sure to let everyone know. Plus, last thing I thought I'd drop in there because we're going to talk about it next week too. Um, January 25th for one week to February 20 to February 1st. My apologies. Markarth is going to be on sale in the Crown Store, the DLC. So 
if you're not big on ESO Plus, you don't want to do the monthly sub, and you haven't got around to, um, you know, getting this last chapter, it's going to be on sale. Uh, the Gates of Oblivion stuff is going to start trickling in pretty quick there. Uh, March will probably get our first DLC of the year. So this will give you some time, get it on sale. You can knock out the story and be ready for the next year's content going in. And yeah. Gosh, that was a mouthful. Lots of news this week. We I feel like we don't get that much news lately. Yeah, we're kind of like in the weird off season and it's picking up. So, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. That's a I think that's a sign of good things to come. Yeah. So let's talk some Cyrodiil. Let's talk some PvP. Because I got the bug, man. I got the freaking bug lately. I've just been dying to get back in there. And I've been trying and failing. And I suck. And I was so freaking angry that I was just like almost ready to just stop trying on my Necromancer. It's like, I'm just going to level up my Nightblade. Because I know I could go gank people. (laughs) I know I could just, you know, make that happen pretty easily but i really wanted to stick with my necromancer and make it viable like it used to be a little bit it's just like i haven't looked up a true like build online gone out and looked up an outcast or whatever zyno dots build in a while especially for pvp because i like to do my own thing i was like you know what i'm gonna just go look and the first one i stumbled across second one i stumbled across not really digging it third one though dots gaming build the skills were almost identical to what I had in my bar. There's probably three variations and one flex spot. And that was already like, that makes me comfortable because I know I like, this is comfortable for me. I, my skills isn't what I'm really looking to change. It's more the gear. Cause like, I feel like I'm good with my rotation, but there are a couple different things that he added in and like ways that he put things on different bars. I was like, okay, this works pretty well. Plus, Switched up my build from New Moons, um, Bright Throat, and Zon. That was what I had been running, just as kind of a standard. That's kind of all I could really get my hands on at first when I got to PC. And I hadn't really gone out and done anything since. And then I switched it to uh, his Warlock build, Dots Gaming, Crafty, Alfique, Shroud of the Lich, the Lich set from uh, Crypto Hearts, and uh, Yalnar's. Uh, monster set y'all know shroud from unhollowed grave and i put on grothar first before i had that and that worked very well as well so pretty much like all day today i have been back in some battlegrounds haven't messed with cereal yet but because i was alone so i was just like i'll just do some battlegrounds and man i was having so much fun in pvp on pc for the first time it was like I feel it like I've been having the bug and I've been talking about it on the show too. Like I want to get back in there. I want to get back in there. Finally did it. And it felt so good. And I kept sending dog, like my games is like, I'm doing, I'm getting better, man. Getting better. He's like, yeah, but like, you know, still pretty much trash. And then like that last game I had was like 15 and zero, And I was like, all right, like I'm feeling it now. I'm on a hot streak. So it's been a good day. It's been a good day, and mid-year is coming up, so we are going to have uh, our annual PvP mid-year episode. I'm excited for that, and I'm excited to be back in the PvP game. We're going to see how things go down the road. Dog, what about you? Anything PvP? Are you you got to get back in with some Battlegrounds with me, man. Yeah, I'll do some Battlegrounds with you. Uh, I'm also thinking about am I getting... Uh... You know, that second grade five star on my uh, Xbox character, you know. Because... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, insane. Just, just to further, you know, being like, oh, yeah, well, you know what, Bob? I got a five star grand over there in grade two. Oh, okay. Grade two. I thought you were saying like a second grand. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. no. Oh, That's not like a whole other. <laughs> it's like, but, dude. Like, I like you're good, man. You're good. You don't have to do that, bro. No, I'm only talking like five million APR, right? Not, okay. not sixty or yeah, not sixty or fifty. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, was, I was starting to worry for you. <laughs> if I was able to get, you know, 
like 50 mil on like my second most highest character, then I'd be impressed with myself. I mean, the fact that I have that much time on my hands would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, mid-year is a beautiful time, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, without further ado, before we get too deep, we're clearly going to talk more PvP here with mid-year coming and everything. So, let's get some scores going. We got PC Stadia NA, the one and only Daggerfall Covenant leading things. We got eight days left. Um, Daggerfall's leading, and they have 73k. Ebonheart Pack second with 65.2k, and AD in third with 60k. PC Stadia EU, All Mary Dominion leads with 69.1k. Ebonheart Pact is right behind them with 68.9k, only 200 back. And the Daggerfall Covenant is in last, unfortunately, with 61k. So a bit of a gap there between the uh, the front runners and uh, Daggerfall. Only eight days left, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully Daggerfall Covenant can at least win the NA side of things on uh, PC and Stadia. So, Doug, what about on uh, console? How's Xbox looking? All right, well, for Xbox NA, there's 24 days left in these campaigns, and we have DC in first with 21.8K, uh, EP in second with 17.3K, then AD in last with 16.6K. So that's a D. Uh, so that's a DC leading in Xbox NA. And then for Xbox EU, we have EP in first with 22.8K, uh, DC in second with 15.6K, and then AD in last with 14.2K. Nice. So Daggerfall leading one PC and one Xbox NA on both sides. So that's pretty cool. On PS4, however, things are not going so well for DC. Um, we got 24 days. Well, PlayStation 5 is included now. So just place it on the PlayStation side of things. It's different. And there's 24 days left over there, too. And uh, as always, thanks to our PS PlayStation correspondent, Lotus of Doom, who brings us the NA scores. Evan Harpact is leading with 16.6K. Daggerfall Covenant right behind them, 16.5. All Mary Dominion at 14. So close over there. Getting back to being close. Things had been uh, close for so long in the year and started uh, straying away there at the end. But it's coming back together. On the EU side of the PlayStation things, we've got All Mary Dominion in first, 23K. Daggerfall Covenant right behind them, 22K. And Emin Heart Pact in last, 20K. So overall... We got Daggerfall Covenant leading two campaigns, um, one on PC, one on Xbox. Got All Mary Dominion leading one on PC and one on PlayStation. And we have Evan Harpack leading one on each of the consoles, Xbox and PlayStation. So pretty freaking even right now, two for each of these main Greyhost scores. That's pretty awesome, honestly. Things are pretty split up right now. I think that the player base is like just like it's pretty full, and like people are just really ready for you know, like the next twenty twenty one, all the content and everything to start. So it's just like building up in Cyrodiil, especially. Yes, I agree. And with uh, you know, Mid Year Mayhem coming around the corner, you know, DC can be leading both. You know, peace. DC can lead be leading uh, both PlayStation, NA, and EU. You know, get that uh, DC numbers up and the score up. That'd be awesome. Actually, be awesome if they were leading all the campaigns. You know, go full DC takeover all the campaigns. Yeah, I feel you, man. And that's why we got to get back in there and help DC out. But. Yeah, we all, we're, we have some PvP talk coming up for sure. So that's cool. And uh, thank you guys as always for uh, listening to us go on about, you know, our own little stories and everything. And we're happy to be arriving here with the meat of our episode. Here to answer the undying question of all year long. Why? If someone 
has never played ESO. Why should I start in 2021? Someone, you know, maybe played ESO like three years ago, didn't really like it. Why should I come back in 2021? Or if it's me and Doug, why should we, like, what keeps us around in 2021? These may be some, you know, compelling questions, if that's what you're wondering. And that's why we are here to set the record straight for the rest of the year. First off, let me just say, the answer is yes. Come play ESO. Come start it. Come back to it. Continue playing it. It it felt almost like ESO was maybe in a golden age last year and elsewhere, I kind of feel. All right, it's two years ago now. Um, Graymore was like kind of felt maybe a bit stale, but there was, you know, they were working from home and everything, and it was just a crazy year. And uh, second, you know, trying to the, the year thing, but it was it was still really good, but like it didn't have the same. Like elsewhere, it was just so big. So I think that this year already, like with the gates of oblivion, it's already people have seemed to like, boom, it's even exploding even more because they brought people in with Skyrim, so it's now getting like. Whew, and then not only did they bring people in just oh Skyrim, but they brought people in like oh pandemic and like oh like there's nothing to do like oh I'm gonna try this game out that I've been thinking of. Like there are so many people playing Elder Scrolls. It's so awesome. And they have so such good opportunity to really make 2021 so great. So that's what we're here to talk about. We are here to give you every reason. We think uh, that this game is so, so very viable to uh, start or come back to or keep playing throughout 2021. So with that, Dogged, I'm going to let you take it away a little bit. How how you want to start this off? Um, I think, you know, the best thing to start off is, you know, talk about the community. And, you know, the overall community in ESO is a friendly and positive community. Like. I mean, it's almost surprising, honestly, how how positive and welcoming, like, not even just the outside community, but the in-game, like, direct, like, people can be. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, like, I uh, asked in zone chat uh, when I first started, you know, playing if uh, I could get some, just some random stuff crafted for uh, research and, you know. I offered to pay and, like, no, like, don't worry, like, I have, like, you know, thousands of iron and like yeah i i get that you know on xbox i also have like thousands and thousands of iron and you know jute and all that it's it's crazy you know if you have a craft bag and you play consistently for you know at least a couple years like you just store up all these resource mats yeah and there's like so many things like that like you ask for help and i mean Sure, like, if you ask for help, you may get, like, ten replies. Like, five of them may be, like, go Google it. But, like, you know, there are going to be, more than likely, at least one or more people who are going to genuinely give you an answer. And um, there may be someone who, like, really legitimately, like, tries to help you and, like, you know, whispers you. And is like, hey, like, do you need help? Do you blah 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 like with this world boss or whatever um so it's a it's a really great community just as far as like the end game goes you know and there's like um as far as like dungeons and trials and stuff like there can be certain you know like oh you gotta be good or you know you gotta have certain like limitations or whatever for the most part though like you're not really gonna run into that unless you hit like an elitist on a bad day or like a day like they're trying to run through something you just catch it unfortunately and they're gonna freak out if it's going too slow but like for the most part it's such a welcoming community like and for us podcasting for just about a year now it has been so inclusive from the moment we joined every other podcast. Um, so many streamers, 
even devs and everyone uh, like have all been very very welcoming to our little show us being part of the community and it's awesome to be able to you know feel like we're on that side of things as well and be a part of the community and um you know that brings up a you know bigger part of the community which is the content creators in it and there is so many in elder shows and pretty much all of them are freaking awesome and so approachable and willing to help and you know show you things and like um i don't know and just help you you know along the way it's really really cool the fact that they've um in the last year or two they've focused a lot on you know um adding members to the stream team adding diverse members to the stream team not only um in their you know how diverse as people but they're diverse in the way they play and uh you know there's pvp players there's pve players there is uh you know role players there's crafters i mean there's all kinds of stuff and it's cool that they've looked out for that and they also do look out for the podcast side of things and you know we aim to uh catch their eye uh, one day as well and um outside of even just that uh, streamers podcasters the people who are the most uh, iconic probably in mine and dog's eyes i don't know about dog definitely in my eyes uh the people who work on the builds and everything like that the, the dedicated people um you know the big names like alcast and zynode and dots and you know some of the littler names like i you know i wish i knew like eight thousand people to list right now but um you know we watch uh sakar on on stream he is awesome pvp player um there's this one youtuber that's awesome at pvp the the tof tof something i don't know he plays Templars and he's freaking awesome. And uh Ruben Sky, who is also a streamer, who is part of the stream team, PvP. And now I'm just thinking PvP. But regardless, anyone that we just listed right now and anyone that we didn't list by name, it's very easy to find all the stream team and content creators and podcasters. Um, you guys know all the awesome podcasts. We talk about them endlessly. Um, it's really, really cool that not only are there so many, but they're all so welcoming and we're all happy to work together and happy to work with other players and, you know, help everyone improve. Yeah, it's definitely been an awesome experience to, you know, be a content creator in ESO. All right, and then, you know, one thing that I did want to say is, you know, because this game does take place on the internet, ESO is bound to have, you know, that small portion of what I like to say, you know, dim-witted trolls. So starting off might be a bit rough. You know, yes, there are trolls in ESO, but they tend to be furry and angry and want to smash your head in because, you know, they, those are uh, monsters and you can fight them and they're uh, NPCs. But there are, you know... The dim-witted ones that are, uh, you know, actual players and they're just negative and, yeah. And they'll typically gather in, you know, the starting zones of Glenumbra, Oridon, and Stonefalls. So when you start playing ESO for the first time, it might be a bit rough when you see some of that. Because sometimes you load up into that zone and it's like you might have three or four of the trolls just arguing with themselves. and it's it it isn't a pleasant experience, but know that if you move on from that zone or go to a different zone, it, it'll be completely different, and it's not like that everywhere, which is, you know, important. Yeah. So the point of all that, and we really went into that a little bit, but that's because it really is important, and it's really just that the community is freaking awesome. And you may hear us say them, like, why 
the freak do I care about the community? Like I, you may think like, I just want to go and play single player. Like I don't even care about the community. And that is totally fine. And even if you don't care about being part of anything, it, it it's fine. You don't have to. And that's another great part of the game we'll talk about. But the thing is, there may just be a point where you want to play with some other people. And that can be intimidating or feel like it's hard to find a group or, you know, find your place. And it makes it a lot easier when there's a welcoming community. So that's why we bring it up. And that's why we go into it because it can, in a game like this, it can truly make or break it at this point. And uh, not to go too back into it, but just one more thing. Um, The community, as far as the devs go and the company uh, overall as well as Zoss, um, the communication is there and the transparency is there. And they have been trying to show us for two years now, not only here's what our game plan is as far as content, for four content updates of a year. But here's where um, we are trying to improve the game itself as well. Improve server stability um, through these different ways. In, uh, you know, decrease lag through these different ways. Blah, blah, blah. All this back-end stuff that I'm not going to get into. But it is there for you to see. The roadmaps have been there. Um Rich Lambert has been updating them constantly throughout the last two years. And they have, for the most part, succeeded in holding fast to those timelines while pumping out content. So it's not just the community in-game. It's not just the community of social media on the forums, on Twitter, on anywhere. It's not just the streamers and the content creators. It's also the devs and the overall uh, creators of the game it's a whole awesome thing it's called the eso fam and we would love for you to be a part of it and as far as adding things into the game and adding new things into the game it's been one of their strong suits throughout the last few years and definitely something we expect them you know as a fandom we expect them to keep that a very high standard like you know, yeah, you bring some content and stuff. We get new stories and stuff, but there's kind of usually that one thing every year. It's like the big, like, here's a new story and everything, but here's this, and it is really cool. And uh, this year, we kind of got two of those things, but um, starting even back with uh, Morrowind, we got the transmutation table, which they even updated further this year with the Graymoor, but just to start went um, you know, every piece of gear that you pick up in Elder Scrolls, it has a trait on it. And these traits are researchable through crafting. You can learn how to craft each different trait. But whenever you get a piece of gear, you were stuck with that trait. If you didn't like it, oh well, sell the gear, delete it, get rid of it, grind again, go for the right trait. There's nine traits per pieces of gears, so that could be pretty tough to get the right drop you want, especially considering usually when you're farming for a piece of gear, you're not just trying to get one piece of gear and nine drops. You have a chance at like three sets of gear, like 30 plus drops, so things get a little tough. Anyways, they fixed the problem of having to do that over and over adding a transmute station where you could transmute the trait of any given item um, to the one you wanted. You just have to use these transmute crystals, which were available in many different ways throughout the game. And honestly, it was a game changer. It was a huge, huge thing. As I said, you know, they usually give one this huge thing throughout the years. That was really big. And uh, after that, just including with the transmute station, they got this year the collection system, which now not only can you change the trait of something if you don't like it, but if you get a piece of gear that you don't have room to save, 
but you think like, oh man, like I might use it someday. And you're kind of sad. You don't want to delete it. It's okay. Because if you delete it, you could use these same transmute crystals I was talking about earlier. You could spend them at the transmute station to make that piece of gear that you got rid of before. As long as you've got that piece of gear once on your account, it will bind it to you and let you recreate it later. And just like making it, transmuting it, you can remake it with any trait and any um, quality. So green, blue, purple, whatever, gold even. Yeah. Very, very awesome. We have a whole episode on the item set um, collections that they just introduced just a few episodes ago. So if this really interests you, there's plenty to go look up on that. It is definitely a game changer, and I don't mean to sound like we make light of it. We just have talked about it at length. But it is probably my new favorite part of ESO, and I'm still working on finishing like all my sets and everything. I've only finished, I think, one so far, but I, you know, I could talk about that all night. So trying to keep it in, but yeah, they've done a great, great job with that. Yeah, one thing that I want to add to that is like before like if you wanted to farm gear for like a dungeon or something like if let's say that you were queuing up for a normal dungeon because you just want like weapons or something and yeah and let's say you queue up for that normal dungeon and it used to be like let's say you get a dungeon with you know a level 10 or level 12 and like level 28 and you you want cp 160 and like none of the none of their drops matters but now their drops do matter because of that system which is amazing it brings together like the entire player base like that's just amazing like let's say that if you come join the game right now and maybe your friend or a guildy like they they want something you can join them at whatever level you want when i first started playing it's like somebody wanted to farm i don't know what set it was but i remember like i wanted to help them it's like I just hit like level fifty. Like I just hit CP ten at the time, or twenty, or you know, one of those low CP numbers. And I was super excited. It, and I was like, "Hey, I just hit CP blank." And so, can I help you guys out now? Or and like, well, we really prefer you to be CP one sixty. And it was just, I mean, it was a little bit demoralizing because at the time, it's like being only like, it took me forever to get to level fifty. And let alone like CP ten, and I thought it'd be so much longer. It it wasn't, but yeah, it's definitely amazing that you can now you know just have that gear. You can help other people farm that gear. It's just amazing. With that, we are probably way past the middle point of our episode because we hope that just these uh, uh, arguments alone have piqued your interest, and we've got some. Some more coming down the pike. These are where we got our closing arguments. But as always, we did want to let you guys know we are part of the oh so wildly popular Robots Radio Podcast Network, which allows us to give you these awesome opportunities like getting 15% off your first order loot crate or getting a free month on us from Gamefly when you sign up for your first month at only $10. So the links to both of those are in our show notes. Make sure you go through us so they know we sent you. But also make sure you go check out the one and only robotsradio.net where you can find us and so many other great shows like this one. Hey, hi. do you enjoy being optimistic about bad movies? Or do you enjoy at least trying to figure out where someone worked really hard on a bad movie? Well, we've got the podcast for you. New to Robots Radio, we represent Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. Each week, we look at two movies that did really badly critically, but we try to find the good in them. And we have segments such as What Could Have Saved It? and Would You Watch It Again? If you're there on a Saturday night, you want to watch a bad movie, but you're not sure if it's like good bad or bad bad, or if you should even bother, give us a listen. You can find us on Robots Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please come and say hi. We love you already. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. All right. All right, dog. So, here we are. We are going to wrap it up. 
but we're talking 2021 ESO, why everyone and their mother should play. So, if you have ever played an Elder Scrolls game, may it be Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, heck, we can even go, you know, Shadow Key, <laughs> Lotus, um, Battlespire, maybe not Arena and Daggerfall, because I, I saw Lotus play Arena, I know it just goes everywhere, but all the cities look the same too, so what are you going to do? But outside of that, Elder Scrolls Online is the first Elder Scrolls game to truly allow you, the character, to go absolutely anywhere in all of Tamriel. And sure, it's not all of Tamriel yet because they keep making additions and it is a heck of a lot for what they've already got. I'd wager, you know, of the entire landmass, maybe 70% now. But, you know, I don't, I barely, they're starting to get, I don't even know what, you know, I'm starting to run out of things to think they can add outside of the next maybe year or two. So it's vast. And my point before I get too diluted, you could truly choose any region, any race, any story that you think is interesting and go explore it deeper and deeper probably than you ever even anticipated. Especially if you've played these other games and there's been things that were outside of your grasp to explore and to understand. Maybe you read a lore book that talked about Valenwood. Maybe you read a lore book that talked about the Black Marsh. You know, maybe you read the Lusty Argonian. I'm just kidding. But... If anything has ever piqued your interest in the single-player games that you thought it would be cool to explore, it's probably open to do so in Elder Scrolls Online. And not only can you go just explore a region and see it for yourself, but for the most part, the writing for the zone stories has been done so, so well that it just is a true exploration of not only the region itself, but the culture behind it and the people living there. And it really is a deep look at what is going on at this time in that zone. I went to look for this episode, and although I'm not sure if all these numbers are totally correct, according to the unofficial Elder pages, there's over 2,000 quests in the Elder Scrolls Online now, with all its DLC. And that is pretty freaking awesome, and also can sound intimidating, even to me. But if you find something that interests you, you could go deeper on it. And that has probably always been one of the most alluring parts of the Elder Scrolls franchise, and it lives up to its name in ESO, honestly. I definitely agree with you. Like, there's so many quests. I haven't even done them all, and I've been playing the game for a while. I need to, you know, get back on it. Probably only done like 40 or 50% of the game that's actually there. And it's like, I need, I still have so much to do and so much that I want to do. Crazy. Yeah. And as daunting as that could sound with us saying, like, man, like, we haven't even done it. But it's like, it's also exciting. It's like, there is still a game out there, even though we feel like we are so at the end game level. Like, there's still, you know, game out there to play. There's still lore to learn. So, jumping off that and finishing, wrapping it all up, finishing our point, let's just talk about the mass amount of content that is in this game in as concise of a manner as we can, my dude. Dog, take it away. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I think the best place to start is, you know, let's just start with, you know, base game or free DLC, which is included with, you know, the base game. And 
this is probably about what 60% of what ESO is. And that's not like a small 60% either. It, it's a huge 60%. And I think that's like my, the, the best part about it. It's like, this is a game that you can play for hours, just like Skyrim, except, you know, like there's just so much that you can do. And yeah. And, you know, to start us off, we have, there are 16 large zones for PvE content that you can do pretty well on your own, just solo. And that's five for each faction. And factions, like, whenever you pick your character, you can either pick a character for the Daggerfall Covenant, the Automary Dominion, and the Ebonheart Pact. You know, clearly we're going to tell you that uh, the Daggerfall Covenant is the best, you know, faction, but... You might go over to Tales of Tamriel and they will be conflicted on, on conflicted on either if uh, the Ebonheart Pact or the Automary Dominion is the best faction. Clearly, we, we all know that it's the Daggerfall Covenant, but, you know, that's just our, you know, preference. Just a little bit, you know. Yeah. The faction, other than outside of PvP, really doesn't matter too much, especially as in story-wise. It's just kind of whatever faction you pick is where you start, so... As far as now it is, though. But I like how you also have noted here that all 15 of these like base zones, they have their own story. So like I was saying, you could go to each of these regions and they're going to have their own story that brings you deeper with that region. And as I was just talking about with the factions, it was more important which one you chose before because you started in that faction and each faction also has an overarching story where if you start at the starting region of it and progress through them as uh, it used to force you to by level um, capacity, etc., it has an overarching story that goes through each of the zones as well. So not only do the zone stories help you have a deeper understanding of the region and the culture there, but they intertwine with an overarching story from that faction when done in the correct order it is uh extremely rewarding all of the faction uh quests um storylines are just so so good each one definitely recommended playing and i just wanted to add that in before you went to cold harbor dog all right oh well, yep we have a cold harbor is like the 16th zone and you can meet Luranth here, which is, you know, one of the characters that's going to be part of next year's content of Gates of Oblivion. I don't know how big, but I don't know. I mean, she sent out those coins, so to all the content creators and other people. And, yeah, it's kind of cool. And what Cold Harbor is, is this story takes place alongside with the Sober storyline, which is kind of like the main overlapping storyline inside of ESO. Kind of similar to like the Dragonborn, uh, like the Dragonborn story would be like the main for Skyrim, and I don't know, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and then when you do that main storyline, that is how you would typically get to Cold Harbor with you know the one and only Lord of Domination, more like Ball. But because this game has, you know, uh, evolved, you can also just tra travel to another player or you can ask someone to get to Cold Harbor if you want to get in there. And Yeah, you can get to almost any zone that you want as long as you have access to it just by traveling to another player, which is amazing. So even though clearly we have a lot of content and everything, I know there's still at least one base game thing you wanted to talk about because. As much as questing and PvP and, you know, all of these things that they could shove into the game, grinding and gear and crafting, and there is something that they can add that is just so freaking relaxing, right? Yeah, and that would be fishing, which is kind of something that, like, every a lot of games have, and it is just relaxing. It's awesome that they have it, and... You know, if you're into fishing, well, it's here, you know. I guess they wouldn't know because, yeah, I. Damn. 
<laughs> are you saying that the Fishers aren't playing Elder Scrolls when they get home? Now? Well, if well, I mean, Don't if they if they haven't played the game, they haven't. <laughs> they wouldn't know that fishing oh, well, is. They haven't open yeah. launched the game. Okay, fair enough. I guess if you never played, you don't know, right? <laughs> but that's why we're doing this episode. But uh, yeah, every zone has fishing holes and and unique fish to collect. And there's literally hundreds of hours of fishing that you can do. Unless if you have like insane RNG, then you know, good for you. I'm just gonna be speechless and jealous and still sitting over here in the Alakir Desert waiting for that my one special fish. And us crafters are always looking for more fishers who enjoy fishing to get us that perfect row. I've actually uh, tried to have my brother who loves fishing in games. He likes fishing in ESO too, but I just can't get him to just fish for me while, I, while I'm at work or I'm doing something in the other room. He's, I don't know why. Probably because he realizes that he has no benefit to the fishing. So... That for the you know base game, you know we're pretty much done building you up on that. And as Dog was talking about, there's been a lot of DLC, and that was kind of the last thing we want to talk about here. Promise, not too much more of your time. But we did want to just go over the amount of DLC is brought in because there's just we're gonna hammer home the fact that you have so much to do in this game, and it. Like I said, it can be daunting, but once you're just like, okay, it's all there, and I can, I do, I could choose what I want to do. You don't have to do all of it. It's a good goal to have, but it's certainly not something that you, you know, have to do. You choose what thing you want to go do to farm the gear. You could choose what story you want to go to to, you know, um, experience or whatever. So that's really cool. And before I start rambling, dog, I'm going to let you take over here. Let's uh, talk real quick about how much DLC is in, and we're going to go ahead and let you guys know some of our favorite DLCs that have come out over the years. And if that doesn't just tell you how much dedication they still have to creating stuff for this game and how good some of it is, even to us, you know, compared to the base game, I mean, that alone should be a, a great convincer to come check out what they have going on here, in my opinion. Yeah, so uh, to start us off, we have uh, five uh, different chapters, which is like the larger zones. They're like on par with like your bigger zones as a, as a, I just, I don't even want to put anything, any of that yeah, to uh, start us off, we have uh, five chapters, which is like the bigger zones. And then we also have six like smaller DLC, which is like the smaller zones. And depending on how you like bought ESO, uh, you might have the chapters already unlocked because they do the uh, special thing where like if you get the game, you can also get like the game and like all of its previous chapters. And yeah. So this is good specifically for the Marwin and Elsewhere chapters as they come with another playable class. That may be true, but ESO Plus, while it may not give you access to some stuff like that, it does give you access to all kinds of other cool stuff. And we don't want to get too like, hey, sign up for ESO Plus here. But it's almost kind of hard not to sound like a total sauce salesman when you talk about it because, man, there are a lot of benefits. But this is pretty much, if you're coming here wondering, should I sub? Should I not sub? What's the point? What's the difference? Okay, right off the bat, can you play the game subbed or not subbed? Yes. Uh, Is it pay to win? No. Do you get more experience? Do you level up faster if you're subbed? Yeah, a little bit. 10%. Not that much of a difference. If you're subbed, do you get, uh, you know, points to spend in the crown store? Yes, you get a monthly stipend of crowns. That is higher than the amount you would pay for that is the same as a sub and just buying crowns. So you get $16.50 a month that would cost you the same as buying $1,500 a month. So there's that. Plus... You get access, as Doug was saying, to all the DLCs. 
and all the chapters up to last year, excluding the classes if they were a part of that. And of course, this includes every dungeon that you know we or uh, every dungeon that we're going to talk about. How many there are, and uh, every extra zone, etc. So. I already feel like I'm going on and on and on about this, and I haven't even got to the best part, which is the double your bank space, double your housing space, double your transmute stone space, and double your freaking, or not, and a crafting bag to put all of your crafting materials in that is accessible throughout your entire account on all characters. It is... Probably a loan is enough for 15 bucks a month, plus all those other things I listed. And I could go into it and into it and into it. Um, I pay for it on two consoles, which is just foolish. But hey, that's where we are at this point. So um, yeah, ESO Plus, definitely worth it in our opinion. And that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, and like, let's say that, you know, you get ESO Plus or, you know, you can just like load into a DLC and like, I think the big thing with ESO is that there isn't a huge significance of the order that you do the content in. Like if you want to like load up and let's say that you join in like May and you can just do like the gates of oblivion DLC, you know, or like, let's say you start right now and you can load up and do the Markarth story first if that's what you wanted to do and you know that you can do that and there's nothing that's stopping you from do that and that being said uh we of course would recommend you do like the uh some like at least the bare st- minute <clears throat> that being said we of course you know recommend you do some of the base game story first but, you know, you really don't have to. And the only benefit of doing, like, some of the older content first is that you might get, you might know a character more from, let's say, the Soul Burst from that uh, Cold Harbor because all these characters that they are bringing back tend to come from that storyline. And if you didn't do that story, you might, might kind of miss out on that little experience of, like, oh, I know this person from that. And... Think that I think that's another thing with uh, ESO that makes it so great is that, like, let's say that you love a character and you want to see him again, and you might not have seen him since, like, for example, Lyrant. Like, we haven't seen Lyrant since Imperial City, which is like one of the first DLCs of the game, and now it's, and now she's coming back, and I'm excited for it, and that's something that I never really thought I would ever see her again. And now she's coming back and yeah. Another thing that I would like to add is that, uh, the, there are three DLC, which is the Orsinium, Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood. Uh, they are, these DLC are part of the Gills and Glory pack and they are 4k crowns. And this is something that I bought when I first started playing, because it is just a great starting off point if you want to access a little bit more, and if you don't want to have the uh, ESO Plus subscription, and this gives you the access to, like, Thieves Guild and Dark Brotherhood, which was two things that I was really interested in doing when I first started playing the game. Those are both stories that I have done before the Soulbers, uh storyline, so. And to wrap it up, we have the dungeon DLCs and there are quite a plenty of them that come out to a pack and twice a year. So we get four a year. Didn't always used to be like that, but that's how it has been for at least, I think the last, you know, three or four years. So we're up to 16 DLC, DLC dungeons. And to wrap up the episode, I thought it would be Fine. I thought it would be fitting for us to uh, talk about our favorite of the DLC uh, dungeon packs that came out. Surprisingly, both of us, I think, have the same answer. Yep, and you know, the first one, you know, our favorite DLC Mac is definitely Dragon Bones. 
And I think a couple of reasons uh, why we like this one is that there's Fang Lair, which is, I think, both of our favorite personality that you can get from the game. And then there's also a skill called Peak, which is definitely my favorite uh, skin in the game, and that's one that I use on most of my characters. Yep, definitely one of the uh, most awesome dungeons out there. Honestly, those two are still, I don't know if they're my top two at all. Probably my top two DLC ones. That uh, whole pack was just so well done. And as for me, those are probably, you know, my two favorite of the DLC dungeons like hands down um the you know freaking personality from the one Fangler and the skin from scale collar very hard to earn you know you feel good when you get them they're impressive to see out there and they look freaking good too and they're just on the dungeon side of things themselves great story Great mechanics, challenging dungeons, good length. Very good. Well done. Then uh, there's one thing, and it's like probably uh, my favorite dungeon is the Unhallowed Grave, which is from the Hellstorm DLC. And yeah, I just really love that dungeon and its mechanics, especially with you know, the grappling hook. Yeah, it was a really good one. Definitely the best of the year, I think. Yep, I agree. Well, with that, if uh, you guys are pretty much wondering, like, wow, that was so much DLC, you guys are insane. Yeah, there's a lot of DLC in this game and plenty more for us to continue talking about in the years to come. And uh, they just keep releasing more. So honestly, to wrap it all up, you know, there's plenty, plenty of good reasons for you to start the game. As you heard us talk about at the very start, there's all kinds of news that keeps coming about events, new content. There's PvP that never stops and is constantly going, month long campaigns, battlegrounds going off, 4v4v4, really good PvP. Then you've got a great, great community that can come and be a part of. Plus, the game is putting out groundbreaking new MMO technology constantly, seemingly every year. Maybe not groundbreaking in the sense that, you know, something like it has never been done before. But if it's not improving on a system that's been implemented in a different MMO, then they're coming up with something on their own that is just a true, at least, game changer, if nothing else. And then we've got the content, which is just endless. Quests that would satisfy any Skyrim solo player that came over to learn more about the Elder Scrolls universe. And unending dungeons and trials that are hard enough to catch up on before they add new ones. Especially if you want to go for all the achievements and all the hard modes and everything else. Plus, you can go fishing. So, I don't think I missed anything there. We tried to pick some uh, different stuff that might just be the usual answer of, yeah, it's a great game. It's fun. Come play it. Um, If we haven't convinced you, you can feel free to uh, hit us up and talk to us, and we will try and convince you more. And, dog, where can they do that? All right. Well, they can do it on Twitter or at Red Diamond Cast. They can also do it uh, on Facebook of the Red Diamond Courier. And they can also do it in the Robots Radio Discord, which they can join using the robotsradio.net. And if you check our show notes, you can find links to our merch store and our awesome sponsors, plus the one and only ESO-hub.com, where you find all the awesome sets, all the awesome um, updates to Golden Luxury, news um pledges everything go check them out maybe the one and only alcast and woller plus we've got links to our music we've got links to our music producer one and only daniel nisley 
And if you're listening to this and think you want to up your podcast or stream, this dude can help you out with his musical jams. And if you could take the sweet, sweet time out of your day to give us a review and leave some words on it, if it's a five-star review, we will gladly take sweet, sweet time out of our episode to shout you out and talk about how awesome you are for leaving us a review and how much we appreciate it because it really you know, helps people think that we're actually legit when they first look us up. So thank you guys, as always, for helping support us. Thanks for listening to us go on and on here. I hope, my hope is that someone this year will be like, should I start ESO? Types that into Google and gets our episode and then is like, yeah, I'm definitely going to start after that. But you never know. (laughs) So anyways, we had a lot of fun uh, coming up with reasons why ESO is still the best out there. And we hope you guys agree. Dog, if people want to shout at you, where can they do so? All right, we can do it on Xbox, Twitter, or ESOPC, all of at DogBark24. Yeah. And for me, it's going to be Bob underscore Chichinsky everywhere, except Xbox, where it's Bob Space Chichinsky. So come hang out, Twitter, Twitch, and ESOPC, all having a good time. Dog is there on all of those platforms as well, so... Let's all chill, talk Elder Scrolls and all the other good stuff. Let's make 2021 somehow a good one, but still have very low expectations just in case. Anyways, you guys have a great week, and guess what? We're going to be coming at you again this week because it's going to be our one-year anniversary. So we'll see you then. See you soon. Peace. Listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Have you ever wanted to learn more about geography without sitting through a snoozy old lecture? Geography Arcade is a weekly podcast all about your favorite video games and their geographic lessons, inspirations, and even some minor analysis. Some may say analysis. Boo! Well, we're going to learn and have fun while we talk about Pokemon, Elder Scrolls, and much more. Come join the adventure at Geography Arcade on your favorite podcatcher and YouTube.